Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evi Chiori and this week we are focusing on the European Commission's decision to ask the top EU court to impose a daily financial penalty on Poland. And we are talking about EU's dispute with Russia over the mission in Mali and what is the EU being accused of. So the Commission has asked the EU court to fine Poland for its non-compliance with temporary measures European judges put in place this past July. To hear more on this story, I am joined today by Euractiv's Vlad Maximov. Vlad, welcome to the Beyond the Byline podcast. So there is an ongoing dispute between the EU and Poland over judicial reforms. Now, why is this the right time for the Commission to act? And uh, what's the story here? Well, it's good to be back, Evi. I guess they're just, you know, looking for things to do after summer. (laughs) On a more serious note, we've seen um, a series of legal actions in the past couple of months against sort of, uh, you know, Hungary and Poland, the black sheep of the EU family, uh, so to say. The Commission uh, and uh, von der Leyen's cabinet in particular has been accused of dragging their feet on rule of law ever since they took office. That seems to be changing somewhat. Why that is happening? Well, there are quite a few explanations. One would be things got so bad that something needs to be done. These decisions are about the disciplinary chamber, uh, so essentially the sanction regimes uh, regime for judges that uh, allows uh, lifting of their immunity, um, sanctioning for uh, applying EU law, uh, referring questions, certain types of questions to the European Court of Justice. It really is a serious situation. Okay, and why is this important? What's perhaps even more serious for the Commission is another moving element of this, which is actually sort of independent Uh, from uh, the decisions announced this week, which is the Constitutional Tribunal. And that um, quarrel and dispute is about the primacy of EU law. And this, as we know, is an extremely important piece um, for the institutions here in Brussels because this is the source of a lot of their power. Um, And questioning the primacy of EU law means pretty much questioning whether member states will have to follow uh, what uh, Brussels and more specifically Luxembourg says and the judges in Luxembourg. We're used to the commission being accused of being more lenient towards certain member states, think France, Germany, you know, the big players. But we've seen that the commission actually brought an infringement procedure against Germany after uh, their uh, court decided in a particular case that the European Court of Justice was acting so-called ultra virus outside of its uh, powers uh, when deciding that... Um, the uh, European Central Bank's bond buying program uh, was legal. In that case, the judges in Germany put into question the primacy of the EU law, and even though the situation got resolved in practical level, the Commission still brought an infringement procedure against Germany. The larger point is the Commission seems to be much more willing to act uh, in cases where these bigger institutional setups are questioned. Right, but this action didn't start now from what I understand. So what was the process until now? The disciplinary chamber dispute has been going on for years. It's not the first case. There are a couple of cases that have been in front of the European Court of Justice. And actually it all came to a head this July when the European Court of Justice did proclaim it to be um, uh, going against EU law. Now, since then, uh, Warsaw promised to disband the disciplinary chamber. 
um, and sent a letter to the commission in the middle of August to that effect. Now the question was, well, why are they still bringing action? Are they not satisfied with what uh, what the uh, promises of the Polish government w- were? And uh, the answer of an EU official to that was, well, we didn't have enough details in this letter. We don't know how and when this disciplinary chamber will be disbanded. And more importantly, they said that there are still developments going on. The European Court of Justice ordered Poland to suspend certain powers of the country's disciplinary chamber of judges, including the body's ability to go after judges who apply EU law on judicial independence, as well as its power to leave judicial immunity and retroactively suspend all decisions that were already taken. So one of the Polish judges started applying this order, and then he is now facing disciplinary procedure. So um, the commission says, well, you know, we got this letter, that's all well and good, but the things are still happening. And so we need to ensure that these things don't happen, which is why we're going to go to court. And what is the commission asking for exactly? This is pretty unprecedented. To my knowledge, it has, has only happened once before. And coincidentally, also against Poland, um, in a logging case, there were um, interim measures ordered by the court um, that weren't respected. And then the commission asked for a daily fine, like it did now. Then the court set it, I think, at 100,000 euros. But um, this time, the commission said, we're doing the same thing that we did last time, even though we don't have a lot of precedent. Uh, We are not asking for an amount. We will let the court decide what the amount is, and that can be infinite. And how is the Polish side reacting to this decision? I mean, I can imagine they're not happy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously they aren't the happiest. (laughs) Um, They are saying that uh, their recovery money, um, 36 billion euros, 24 of which are in grants, um, is being held hostage and used as leverage by Brussels to get what they want from years-long dispute in judicial system. Uh, the official line is, the thing that we hear at the daily briefings of the commission is that the two things are separate. Uh, what's going on with the recovery funds is being judged on the recovery regulation and uh, you know, there are uh, guidelines and points that they have to follow and they're looking at those. And then everything going on at the court is going at the, on in the court. The two are separate. Uh, but parallel is the turn of phrase that we hear. Um, however, just this morning, there was an interview in the Financial Times with the Commission on Reinders, who did pretty much say, from what I understand, that, yeah, the, Poland is not going to see any recovery money until uh, something happens on the judicial front. I think the term of phrase was, it would be logical not to approve the recovery fund. Even though the Commission spokespeople claim that the two things are unrelated in parallel, of course, they are very much related. And if the commission was ever going to try to pressure Poland into uh, disbanding the disciplinary chamber, uh, you know, stopping uh, essentially dismantling of EU law, uh, this would be the time. Mm-hmm. And do you think that this is the commission showing its teeth and uh, proving that they are ready to move beyond just warnings? This is one interpretation, certainly, that, you know, uh, we're at the end of a line, we're at the end of the road, uh, we're coming to heads and everyone, you know, the day of reckoning for Hungary and Poland is coming. This is one interpretation. Uh, it's a very um, permissive interpretation of events, I would say. But there are other things um, happening uh, around Europe, politically speaking, and um, 
um, as we know, the commission has been transforming into more of a political player in the past decade. And on the political front, we have the German elections going on, Hungarian elections. This is the reality of the European political scene. Domestic politics directly affect um, Brussels politics. So, of course, uh, as we know, um, uh, von der Leyen's um, party is not doing all that great in the German elections. Um, perhaps this is a signal to German voters that, you know what, we like we mean business and we also will get rule of law across because um, that's the big line of the Greens. Uh, the Greens are all for, you know, rule of law, uh, transparency, justice. This is one of their big selling points, at least on paper. We haven't really seen all that many green governments around Europe yet. Yeah, I, it might as well be, you know, uh, an interplay of domestic politics and Brussels politics. Thank you, Vlad. And you can find your actives beyond the Byland podcast in our brand new podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. Now, from the EU's dispute with Poland, we are moving to another dispute EU is having, this time with Russia, over the multinational military training mission in Mali. To break down the components of this story, I spoke with Aneta Zachova from Euractiv Czechia. Hi, Aneta. It seems like we have a new dispute, let's say, between Russia and uh, the EU, this time over Mali, right? Uh, what's the story there, and why is Mali in the epicenter of this dispute? I think that uh, the dispute between Russia and the EU is kind of evergreen, let's say. Uh, we have still many, many, many unresolved issues. For example, Alexei Navalny, who is still in the prison, despite all the statements coming from the EU to release him. And when it comes to Mali, uh, the thing is that uh, Russia is trying to expand its uh, area of influence beyond its southern borders as much as it can. Uh, this is also a case of Africa, the continent where the European Union is active as well. Uh, the European Union now has its military training mission in Mali. The mission began in uh, 2013. And this mission aims to support peace building there. The soldiers of the EU member states are there because the Malian government asks for it. And the EU now trains local forces and provide them with necessary equipment to be able to fight against terrorism and so-called Islamic State. And it is obvious that uh, Russia is not very happy when the European Union is more active in third countries because Russia wants to be the force that is somehow filling the vacuum in unstable areas. So uh, there was a bit of clash now uh, between the EU uh, and Russia in Mali in the sense that uh, they are kind of uh, not really fighting but they all like both of them has wants to be uh, the one who has like larger influence on the region and it's not only case of Mali but the rest of Africa let's say. Mm -hmm. And what is Russia accusing the EU of and do we have any official reactions from the EU?
Yeah, so uh, what uh, the Czech Ministry of Defense warned about is that Russia is uh, very actively trying to convince Malians, uh, like the people of Mali, uh, that uh, the EU occupies Mali, which is absolutely nonsense because, as I said, uh, the local government uh, really asked the EU forces to to come to their country. So it's definitely not uh, any occupation. And uh, the problem is that Russia is really actively pushing uh, this narrative and the the EU is kind of silent and is not really communicating well to the citizens of Mali about its mission there. And that's something that uh, at least uh, when I saw the, the reaction or the statement of the Czech defense ministry should be changed. So... Czechia, Czech Republic is quite aware about the situation because Czech army is very active in Mali and uh, even it commanded the EU mission in the second half of the last year. So I think that Czechia will now try to explain its partners in Europe that it is more than necessary to improve kind of strategic communication. Um, But so far, I'm afraid that... um, It is not really a topic for the European Union, so I even did not get so far any reactions from the EU officials. Mm -hmm. And what is the scoop on this story from your side, Aneta? We should think about this issue not only as about the problem in Mali. Uh, and about kind of low awareness of local people when it comes to this uh, EU mission that is uh, like taking place there for for many years. Uh, The real matter is that, um, as I said, the EU should really focus on the way how it communicates to to its partners around the world uh, and also to its own countries uh, because without this type of strategic communication it would never be able to challenge Russian or for example Chinese narratives in uh, like this let's say unstable areas of the world so I think that being silent is the worst option and I think, uh, unfortunately, that, that it is what the EU is doing right now. Do you think there will be an escalation of the situation in the future and maybe another diplomatic episode between Russia and, and the EU? Yeah, I'm quite afraid that the relations between the European Union and Russia will get worse and worse because there are still many unsolved issues and the new ones are appearing from time to time. For example, this issue uh, that is related to, to Africa, to Mali. And uh, Europe still has no real and concrete strategy uh, how to deal with Russia and how to, let's say, somehow, like how to deal with the Russian aggression and their provocative behavior. Well, thank you, Aneta, and our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori, and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>